Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell. As you know, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. If this is your first time listening, we just want to welcome you to the Kelly family. And if you're wrestling with a leadership question, if you have a topic you would love for us to explore, or you know someone who would make a great guest for our show, send us an email to ROIPod. That's R-O-I-P-O-D at I-U-P-U-I dot E-D-U. Well, on this episode, we are tackling the question, is a four-year degree obsolete in this modern age? As we see now, technology is booming at such a high speed, and the buzzword of the time in business is talent and filling talent shortages. So on this episode, Phil sat down with the CEO and founder of Kenzie Academy, Chuck Wee, to have a conversation about this disruption that's happening. Before we talk to Chalk, let's talk about the Kinsey Academy. Around the United States, the high-tech sector is booming. These companies need coders and folks that understand how to make machines work and talk to each other and process artificial intelligence. The challenge is, is that colleges and universities are not putting the talent out there fast enough. The sector is very hungry. In response to this need, we've seen pop up around the country very innovative coding academies. These academies offer half-year, full-year, two-year programs that go straight to the heart of developing the coding needs that the technology sector requires. Kinsey Academy is one of those. And Kinsey Academy solves uh, an important problem that faces high-tech companies here in Indianapolis. Indianapolis is the second fastest-growing high-tech sector in the nation. And the Kinsey Academy produces talent within a very short window that's immediately deployed to these companies to help these innovative organizations grow. And Chalk leads that charge and is changing the conversation in a small way on how you deliver higher education. It's a very subtle disruption that he's introduced. For example, he goes straight into the technical material. There's no general education requirements. There's no classrooms. It's all uh, collaborative learning and flipping the classroom. Any, cla- any, any learning that you would do in a traditional classroom is done online. Also, here's the one that's, that's the most interesting. At the Kinsey Academy, you don't pay your tuition until after you've gotten your job. After the fact, not before the fact. And these are refreshing ways to look at higher education, but they make us at colleges and universities sort of reflect back on what we're doing and ways that we can improve the experience for our students and delivery of value for our region. So, Chuck, welcome to the RI Podcast. It's great to have you on today. We're very excited to talk about the Kinsey Academy and this sort of revolution in tech training that you're helping to lead. Um, and, you know, really it comes down to speeding up the learning so that that talent can get out there and fill those needs. Because until those jobs are filled, these companies that are begging to grow and their customers are wanting more of what they produce, they can't do it. And so figuring out how to do that in a better way, in a faster way, has so much economic value. 
But of course, you know, the Kinsey Academy is not the only coding academy out there. The Kinsey Academy is part of this larger movement, this larger innovation that we're seeing in the tech education sector. What's the contrast here? You know, you've got you've got big tr- corporate training centers like the IBM Training Center. You've got large, uh, well-respected computer science departments and technology schools around the country and established universities. Why is it that traditional higher education and also big corporate training centers are not producing enough talent fast enough? So I think universities and colleges generally have been doing a pretty good job creating talent in the power economy for the last few decades. But what's happening, if you look back the last 10, 20 years, it's that um, the, the, the change of the economy really accelerated. We move very, very rapidly from the industrial age uh, to the data and information age. And if you look at universities, you know, many of them you know, claim hundreds of years of, uh, of history and, and, and legacy, which is great. But a lot of the, the, the current system is pretty much set up for the industrial revolution. Uh, it's set up to train pretty much assembly line-like kind of workers. How good are people at mem- uh, you know, uh, memorizing information and producing information, taking tests and repeating instructions and all that? But in the new digital and data economy, it's no longer about those that ability. It's about how do you evolve uh, at the pace of te- technology evolution? How do you think critically? How do you solve problems, seeing issues that you've never seen before? And it requires a very different mindset. And just unfortunately, um, uh, uh, you know, we see that a lot of university programs are having trouble keeping up with that change on how fast the workplace has changed. And therefore, what you're trying to starting to see is a lot of employers trying to come up with their own solution. Uh, they just gave up on waiting on universities to give them the talent they need. So uh, a lot of employers are starting to innovate on their own to kind of uh, look for and train talent or, work, or, or kind of create new uh, providers, uh, you know, schools like Kenzie that came out. We came from the employer side because we knew how hard or how desperate companies are in looking for talent and looking for the right skills uh, in the talent, uh, in the talent pool. Uh, and that's why uh, what's happening right now is a proliferation of new training models looking to address this major gap in the market. And uh, like we mentioned earlier, the uh, IBM example is, uh, you know, in Baton Rouge, uh, they set up a center where they were initially going to hire 800 to 1,000 people uh, with LSU as a partner. But quickly, IBM started realizing that, uh, you know, the, the, the graduates uh, do not uh, have a major skills gap from what IBM needs. And it's been hard for IBM to get what they want. So uh, companies like IBM have started, uh, you know, bypassing a lot of universities and creating their own training program, even reaching as far down as high school students to provide apprenticeship and other kind of training to ensure that they get a steady supply of talent that they need. You know, Chuck, as as the Kinsey Academy addresses this issue of reversing talent shortages in the tech sector, not only in central Indiana, but in other areas where the Kinsey Academy has a presence. How is what you do, how is your educational model different than what we find in the classic university approach? So what happened a couple of years ago uh, to kind of address the market, we saw a proliferation of, we call them coding boot camps. Uh, they also do other things like marketing and design and other things. But in general, these are short three-month programs uh, that were that uh, the goal was to kind of address the skills gap and a lot of those companies start taking off but then we start to see pretty much uh, consolidation and also kind of uh, uh, slowing down in growth because of some of the the flaws in the design but what the boot camps really showed that there was a huge demand outside of the university and college system 
Um, so the Kenzie model, pretty much, we take kind of the best out of boot camps and also four-year universities to create a new model uh, that uh, would provide enough uh, time for people to train, to master the material and be job ready, but not having to waste four years of their life, you know, going back to a computer science program. So Kenzie programs are one to two years in length, so a lot longer than a three-month coding bootcamp, but less than half the time of a four-year uh, university. Uh, we are project-based learning and flipped classroom. So there's no, uh, you know, as you see here at our campus here, there are no lecture halls. We set up the, the campus to make it extremely uncomfortable for someone to lecture for a long period of time. So uh, students come to Kenzie every day and they learn not by listening to lecture, but by actually doing real work every day and then discovering how to do the work and discovering how to solve problems um, along the way. And also all our instructors uh, are non-faculty. Uh, so we, are, we hire only uh, industry practitioners. So this, uh, all instructors are essentially you know, hiring managers, so they know exactly the skills and the kind of aptitude they need in the talent. Uh, so we have the ability to craft the curriculum as well as how we teach to uh, pretty much in an apprenticeship fashion, you know, train up a, a new pipeline of talent uh, that uh, we ourselves want to hire. You just said something interesting. You use the term, quote, waste of four years. Interesting question. Do you believe college campuses may be obsolete in the modern age? So first of all, uh, that four years is valuable. You know, I myself went through a four-year university program, so I'll be a hypocrite to say that, you know, it is uh, totally useless. Um, the way to kind of give you a little more, more context, I say it in the term of non-traditional students, which is the main Kenzie student population. Uh, so you have your traditional students, people coming out of college, uh, and uh, typically if you uh, want to go to college, I say go to college. But we have now a huge uh, uh, population of non-traditional students, and these are people who are either uh, uh, older than a typical traditional student. Uh, they come from very different backgrounds. They either had some college, dropped out, or had uh, graduated from college but was underemployed uh, or unemployed. Uh, or people who just decided to skip college entirely. Uh, and what we're seeing with the trend right now, over the next few years, the non-traditional student number will overtake the traditional student as the, the, the majority of the learner's population. So um, we, uh, the current university system is, and, and if you look at the non-traditional student, uh, they, many of them don't have the luxury of you know, spending four years. Uh, some of them have kids, they have work commitments, family commitments, all kinds of things. So what they need is what is the most optimal pathway? Uh, not necessarily the shortest, but enough time for them to get all the skills they need to be able to land uh, that job uh, and then be successful. And then another trend we're seeing right now is just going back to my earlier uh, statement as how fast technology is evolving. Gone are the days that you can get a four-year degree work for a couple of years, maybe do your master's, and then, then you can work until you retire. That, that lifestyle, that, that way of life is, is, is totally, uh, you know, um, uh, I would say outdated by now. You know, we have a new iPhone every year and a new iOS that comes with it. This is how fast technology is evolving and moving. And what really, as a, as, you know, as, as a professional, as a talent, what you really need to think about is lifelong learning. And what that means is that uh, you know the, the the future of higher ed will no longer look like will not longer look at what it is today. It will look more like you 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 have the, you can either go a four year or you can do a two year or whatever training it is. 
get the skill, get the job, and then along the way, either do a part-time education or go back to school a few years from now um, um, and, and upskill yourself and continue to upskill yourself so that you can adapt to the changing workplace and the changing technology landscape. Um, so what you know what the, the world we're seeing moving towards is yes you 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 could still have that four year but the four year will not be sequential, it could be one or two years of training, work and then uh, hopefully earn a, enough college uh, credit that uh, you can reuse those college credit to be able to get a degree in another one or two years time frame. So Chuck, you've talked about sort of the mechanics of how uh, the Kinsey Academy teaches and engages students. But when you get down to the bottom line, more fundamentally, what's allowing you to be more responsive to fill the talent shortages in the region? Yeah. So one thing, uh, you know, since our programs are one to two years, uh, we don't have the luxury of four years. We have to make, you know, it, you know we have to decide what to focus on. So definitely we don't teach our students a lot of general ed stuff like philosophy and all that, which, you know, I personally think are still important. But maybe it will be more important to you a couple of years in your career uh, where, you know, a lot of the liberal arts education will be valuable when you move from a, uh, a, a contributor to a manager or an executive, uh, but may not necessarily be helpful to you to land your first, second or even third job. So what Kenzie focuses on is teaching you skills to be very successful in the first few jobs, but setting you up. Uh, so that you are able to then get all the other education and then continue to grow in your career over time. Um, so uh, one thing is like, because we don't teach philosophy and, and history and all these things, uh, our students spend literally the full one to two years focused on tech training. And what that means is that if you look at a four-year computer science, uh, our students actually spend more time uh, coding and doing technical learning uh, than even a traditional four-year computer science. Um, and because we don't have to deal with, uh, you know, uh, faculty standards and all that, uh, we are able to actually update our curriculum on a quarterly basis instead of having to, you know, uh, go through a very long cycle. Uh, and that, that allows us to constantly uh, attach ourselves to the latest frameworks and technology uh, and keep up with what the market is looking for. But at the same time, we do, we do also borrow a lot of the best practices coming out of colleges, which is, uh, like you said, you know, uh, learning to, to grow up as a doubt, a lot of things, time management, uh, even critical thinking and creative problem solving. Uh, those are all embedded into our Kenzie curriculum. Also, another interesting thing we did. So uh, our head of curriculum is Mike Camerano, who is a graduate from Stanford University Computer Science. So when we started Kenzie, we took the Stanford Computer Science model and then we strip out things that our college professors used to think were important. But as a practitioner, we never use it a day in our lives. And then what we did was we flip around the sequence. Because typically, even from my experience, I never really learned, started learning real coding until I'm in my late second year or third year in a university. And what before that, I had to take a series of advanced math classes and physics and all that. We used to call this weed out classes. And by the time you weed out everyone, uh, you know, and uh, what you're left is, uh, you know, also a lot of men uh, and also a lot less diversity in, in, the, in, in, in your classes. And what we quickly realized, actually, you don't really need to know all this advanced math to do coding. And uh, what we start doing at Kenzie is from day, actually day one at Kenzie, you actually start learning to code. So we start with the front end, uh, and what we really do is address the imposter syndrome. You have so many women uh, uh, and, and people who thought, I'm not good in math, and therefore this is not right for me. But that's actually not true. You don't need, I am, I personally, I have an engineering degree, and I, I was bad at math. 
uh, and I was still able to get by it. But when I really worked, I never used a lot of the math, uh, all the differential equations and all that. Rarely have I ever used that in my job. Um, so what we want to focus on, focus on is to train a larger segment of the people who thought that math is not their strong suit or their favorite subject, that don't worry about it, you could code. And we show them you could code because we literally take out all these weed out classes and have them go straight to actually building real world applications and solving real problems. And then things get harder over time. And when we reach a, an area of the education where they need to learn some math to be able to master material, we teach it on the spot so that they can see how that math is applied versus learning all the theories of it, but never really tying in uh, kind of all the theory to the practical aspects of computer science. The Kinsey Academy focuses on development of technical skills, coding, understanding how uh, systems talk to each other, very important skills to build good technology products, good software. I'm curious, as an associate dean at a business school, where do you see the opportunity for business education to sit alongside some of this technical education? We're actually working on uh, projects on this front and totally agree with you. Uh, um, you know, uh, as a, as a business, business operator and so many of my peers who are also CEOs at companies, uh, had uh, we all uh, know a little bit more, we would have avoided a lot of costly mistakes and uh, be able to you know, be a lot ahead of where things are today. Um, and what's interesting is if you look at the traditional MBA education, it is designed for you to go work in a major company like P&G, Walmart, all these big companies. But if you look at the evolution of where business is right now, a lot of the new, young, vibrant companies, it's, there, you know, there's a lot of growth in the startup space especially in the tech startup space, which is uh, an industry I came from and I'm very familiar with, um, there is a lot of business knowledge and, and skill uh, that are required that are not taught in traditional MBA classes. And therefore, many CEOs like myself just have to learn it the hard way. And we acquire all this uh, knowledge just by making mistakes uh, along the way. And if there is a program that actually teaches more like an MBA for startups, um, I, I think this will, def it's, uh, it will definitely be in high demand, but at the same time, it will really you know, teach a lot of the, the new entrepreneurs and the new, I would say, uh, tech or startup executives uh, the right skills to be able to operate uh, these new companies that, that, that runs differently, operates differently, and think differently than a traditional P&G and Walmart and everything. The issue of keeping your employees current on their knowledge, especially in the technology space, is so important if your organization is going to be competitive. So enlightened managers understand that they need to con constantly invest in education for their workers. The traditional approach to that is sort of tuition assistance. Go to school, you get a little, a little subsidy from your employer. That not only keeps them fresh in terms of knowledge, but it's a nice perk in terms of, of for retention. In contrast to this traditional model of tuition assistance, what's your advice on how employers can leverage an alternative model like the Kinsey Academy? So um, the talent challenge is not isolated in Indiana. It's a global uh, issue. Every, every, I've, I've traveled to so many countries, met so many company entrepreneurs, executives, and their number one uh, thing that keeps them out at night is finding uh, quality talent. So it's a major issue, um, and it's just going to get worse as you know technology uh, demand for tech workers continue to increase, and universities are just not keeping up with that. So as as a, a manager at a, a tech 
company or a tech-enabled company, um, you um, you know you, you have a couple options. One is you uh, you know you drop a lot of your traditional hiring uh, you know uh, uh, what do you call them job descriptions and uh, you know change the way you look at talent uh, and look at a wider spectrum of talent. Uh, because uh, there is, like I said, you know, the non-traditional student is going to be the, the largest learner population in the next few years, and that's a huge pipeline right there. Uh, so if you're continuing to look for, you know, bachelor's degrees and master degrees and how many years of work experience, you're going to find it more and more difficult to be able to hire and compete with your competitors for talent. Uh, but uh, the other option is, like you mentioned earlier. Uh, pay, uh, uh, you know, subsidize your uh, employees to upskill themselves. So traditionally, one of the main options is you know, sending them back to universities uh, or a master degree program and things like that. What's interesting with the industry right now is there's so many options. There, like you said, there's outdoor education providers like Kenzie and others around General Assembly and all. It could be a three-month boot camp. It could be a longer program. It could be just you know a short 12-day seminar. Um, when we talk to employers, uh, a lot of them, uh, you know, are, are unwilling, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, essentially contribute too much of it because with the, in, in the past, like an employee would work with you and then work until they retire. And therefore it makes sense to kind of, uh, you know, uh, pay for the education to groom them and invest in your employer, uh, employees. But today when I talk to so many employers, they said, well, because of how hot the job market is, someone that I hire will probably leave for a better job, you know, one, two years one or two years time frame. So why should I, you know, invest in training somebody if they're not going to stay? Um, which is a serious, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a systemic issue in the country. Uh, and, you know, um, we, I think what we really need to come up is uh, a better model, uh, either uh, for employers to build, a, uh, maybe do employers doing income share agreements with their employees so that if I invest in you, uh, maybe stay for uh, you know, three, four years or longer uh, to, to pay back that investment. So from my perspective, it makes sense for me as an employer to make that investment in you. Uh, or come up with other creative models to do so because if if every employer refused to chip in on this and all the burden of education lies uh, on the student, um, they're going to have continue to have a hard time finding that talent. Uh, and at the same time, well, we're going to continue to see this ballooning student loan debt crisis, which is hovering around $1.5 trillion now, and it's the next major bubble waiting to burst. Chuck, this has been a great conversation. You know, as we wrap up here, I want to ask one more question. Um all things considered, are you optimistic about the future of higher education? I think this is an exciting time to be a student. Uh, when, we were, uh, when we were students, uh, we didn't really have much of an option available to us. Uh, but today, with you know, traditional universities, colleges, community colleges, boot camps, uh, college alternatives, which is schools like Kenzie, uh, longer than boot camps, shorter than uh, universities, um, you as a student have a lot of choice. Uh, and uh, and not just even the, even on the, from a student financing perspective, there are more and more options available to you. Uh, so pretty much as as a student, as a uh, as a talent, as a learner, uh, is just being a lot more uh, being a smarter shopper. Uh, we always forget uh, that when we, when we buy TVs and cars, we always think about uh, you know we we make all kinds of uh, to make sure that we are making the right decision. But when it comes to education, which is actually for most people the, the most expensive uh, expense in their life other than their home, uh, we tend to forget about it when emotions come into place and therefore get ourselves in so much debt that many people may never ever be able to repay it or will repay it into their late 40s and 50s and 60s. 
uh, that hopefully with today with more choices, we can have smarter consumers and students can demand more of schools and schools need to compete better and be more outcome focused if they want to continue to remain relevant. So Phil, I want to ask you point blank, is a four-year degree obsolete in this modern age? No, it is absolutely not. If you look at the data, for example, here in Indianapolis, even with all of the blind spots in modern higher education, in 10 years, the demand for bachelor degree workers will be 8% higher than it is now. So at the end of the day, the skill set and the intellectual equipment that you gain with a bachelor's degree is unrivaled. However, it is important that higher education is responsive to some of the issues and criticisms that we're facing. Because if we don't, we will fade into the background. And it's important to look at the alternative models that spring up and do take, some of, do take students that might have otherwise gone to a college campus. But at the end of the day, Kinsey Academy is, is a welcome presence. Um, they solve problems for the region, especially in terms of talent, that we're not able to solve. And a better community and a better region is good for all of us. Um, and so there's plenty of space for both innovators and the traditional institutions. This has been another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week.